Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Welcome to BP Wrigley Cast. The show that brings you different hosts on different episodes. So you never know what you're actually listening to. And sometimes we speak in Spanish, uh, but not this time because I only know certain words in Spanish and we don't want to change this to an R rating. I'm Ryan Davis. Uh, that's Isaac Bennett. Uh, Carlos could not be here tonight and Joel is still in the ether somewhere. So uh, another week has passed in Cubs baseball and Cubs have been pretty much just what we expected the last week or so. They've been playing pretty good baseball they they beat uh the cincinnati reds two out of three and now they've taken the first two from the pittsburgh pirates including an excellent game tonight a one nothing victory that we will talk about extensively so uh isaac how are you oh you know it's good to be back buddy how are you it's uh it's been a couple of weeks since i've been on this i'm sure you guys didn't miss me but i missed you so it's good to be back well, yeah, there was an Addison Russell home run mixed in there that you that you weren't around for us to to all roll our eyes while you talk about it. So, uh, <laughs> if you wanted to give any thoughts on that now, you could. I think you know what my thoughts were, but like you said, we're going to keep this to a PG thirteen rating, so we'll, st- <laughs> we'll stay there. <laughs> Have you, did you see uh, this is going way off? But uh, the uh, avatar, I guess, that Addison Russell changed uh, his Twitter account. Have you seen that? Yeah, I did. I think uh, I think they've Randall been doing Sanders the, did that. Randall Sanders has been doing the Pokemon thing for a while now for the players, and and Addison's a huge Pokemon collector, and which I I thought this thing ended when I was in like fourth grade, which was a very long time ago. I didn't know anybody still co- collected Pokemon cards, but hey, you know what? He he has a I guess a great, very valuable collection. So the fact that Randall Sanders' little game there got picked up by Addison is uh, that's Pete Cubs Twitter right there. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool stuff. And I I was never into Pokemon. Uh, I know, like it came around just at that age right behind me. I think you're pretty you're pretty close to me in age where it came in like right after. Wow, oh, much younger. I'm much younger than you. Uh, well, then uh, see the kids that kids were that that were like two or three years younger than me <laughs> were into it. So I'm gonna assume that you're pretty much my age. You're what like? <laughs> what? See, I'm 25. So you're what like 24? Six, I'm 16. <laughs> oh boy I'll, t- I'll tell you what i went out and played uh the first uh first game of softball and i hadn't played in two years i've had major shoulder problems and i didn't play baseball in a couple of years either and 
running out to that left center field, I felt like I was 105 years old. <laughs> I'm only 30. I turned 30 like two weeks, two, three weeks ago. And uh, I felt like I was 100 years old. And I was like, I'm going to die out here. <laughs> See, I'm on the other side of it uh, that I, I spend my baseball hours either, you know, recording videos or, or watching or talking to 20, 21 year olds, 18 year olds. And yeah, that makes me feel like I'm about 105 years old. <laughs> it's just it's hard to even relate to him because you're standing there asking him questions and it's just like this dude made more money signing one contract than i will make in you know 30 years and you know he can't even hit a curveball (laughs) yeah and he's so much younger than me and i I, there's just no no way to relate anyway um so getting into our specific cubs talk now that we've star wars a bit um (laughs) I was sitting here just going, hmm, what are we going to do? <laughs> anyway, uh, John Lackey, I wrote a piece for FanRag Sports this week that I thought you might be interested in. Um, I took a look at Lackey and how outside of one start this year, he's kind of struggled a little bit. Um, and, you know, we've we've talked to death either on this podcast or just in general about um, – you know, the velocity being down for basically everybody in the rotation. Um, first, first things first, uh, the pitcher that John Lackey is, do you see the velocity dropping one or two miles an hour on the four seam and two seam fastball? Do you see that as a big problem for him? Uh, well, first of all, you know, I typed John Lackey into Google a few minutes ago, and the very first thing that popped up on top stories was a fan rag sports article from, Mr. Ryan Davis. So I think we should all give him a slow clap here. And we're we're in the presence of first listing Google. I, I'm not sure if I should just quit the podcast or or bow down or what, but you know, that's pretty impressive, my friend. Congratulations. Yeah, Mr. Big Time here with his John Lackey stuff. <laughs> Look at that. I'm, I'm looking at the Lackey grin right now. You're, you're in rare company here. So uh, to answer your question, is the velocity drop a big deal? Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think he's old. I don't think he has that much margin for error. And what you pointed out probably correctly is that his outpitch slider isn't moving uh, horizontally, laterally. So um, I think those are issues combined when you look at them, you know, cumulatively. Uh, there's some issues there, but look, the guy's 38 years old. I mean, how long could you expect him to do it? So I expect that Lackey will throw plenty of innings for this team. His ERA will be ERA and FIP will be mid to high fours, just where it is now. And that's probably what they need him to be. So um, if he can do that, I think that's okay. I don't think he is the pitcher that he was last year, Uh, but I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm kind of there as well. And uh, you kind of spoiled what I was going to go to next. The, uh, the movement on the slider that I noted in the article, his uh, four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, pretty much the same kind of movement as as he's had in the past. Same thing for his changeup, but the slider and the curveball actually not biting like they have in previous years. And uh, I noted that uh, normally he, let's see, looking here, uh, 217 batting average and a 336 slugging on his slider with a home run every 42.9 at-bats for his career. And in 2017, it's 300 on the uh, slider, 600 slugging percentage, and two home runs in 30 at-bats. So he's getting hit hard, and his home run rate is up. So um, all of that, I I tend to believe um, that can change, and we're in a small sample here. But um, 
what you said on you know kind of mid fours on the on the ERA and FIP. That's fine if Lackey's giving you innings and going out there every fifth day because uh, we're beyond the point where you have to rely on John Lackey in the postseason. That was what he was brought here for was pitching playoff games, but he didn't pitch particularly well last year in the playoffs, and they still won the World Series essentially without him, except for you know going on giving them four innings you know once a series. Okay, so. okay, so but that's a curious statement there. You said we're, I think you said we're beyond the point of needing John Lackey in the playoffs. But is that true? I mean, uh, are you counting on Brett? Did you, first of all, did you see Brett Anderson come off the mound and almost get his head taken off by Rizzo yesterday? And yes. speaking of looking like 105 years old, my wife was like, that's a professional athlete. <laughs> oh well, sort of. Yeah, more more love to Randall Randall Sanders for piecing together the uh, the sniper in the building. Uh, oh, gift. I didn't see it. Was it great? Oh yeah, it's it's Rizzo doing finger guns uh, from the dugout and Brett Anderson dropping like a fly. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> fantastic. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, uh, if you if you want to find if you are, aren't familiar with who we're talking about, Randall Sanders does all kinds of awesome gifts and and uh, uh, Photoshop. You, I think you can find him Randall J Sanders on on Twitter. But uh, yeah, that basically what I'm saying is you brought him in to be that guy in the postseason, regardless of what he does in the regular season, but he didn't pitch that well in the postseason last year. Um, I want to say, you know, he lost the world series game that he pitched for sure. Um, I think they won the game that he pitched in the NLDS against the giants. That was game four, but they were set to lose that game until the Cubs mounted a rally against the Giants bullpen in the ninth inning. So, you know, that's kind of a loss that you can hang on Lackey, given that the Cubs were looked dead in the water until the final inning. Um, So, yeah, uh, I think even if you are rolling into the playoffs with their top three of Hendricks and Arietta and Lester with Lackey as your number four, uh, they, they did it last year. Essentially they, they they could win again with, with Lackey as your number four, if if he's essentially giving you nothing. So, okay. uh, So you're not suggesting that he wouldn't be the fourth starter. You're simply saying they can do it with, they can do it with a very average or below average Lackey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I, you know, there's a pretty big part of me that, that thinks that uh, there's a fourth starter coming somebody else besides, you know, 105 year old lefty and 104 year old John Lackey. So I don't know. Well, That'll be interesting. A, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a segue. We'll save that for later, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll move on to that one later. But as of right now, let's look at in house. Um, assuming the, that you wouldn't say Brett Anderson is a starter, you're going to roll within the playoffs. If you're if you're going to oust John Lackey from that fourth starter spot in the playoffs, is there anybody in house, whether on the big league roster or in the minor leagues, that you see? could be that that number four starter in the postseason, you know, excluding any thoughts of Lackey being injured. Well, two guys come to mind. I mean, the first one is uh, you, you could talk about Mike Montgomery, but I do not want him in the starting rotation. I really think the bullpen needs uh, Montgomery in there as a as a lefty and as a as a mid a middle guy um, for the playoffs. So I don't want to see that happen. The two guys that come to mind for me are guys that are having some success right now. Uh, Alec Mills for one. Um, he's a control pitcher. He's in triple a, he's got a three twenty seven ERA. doesn't strike out many guys. He's only strike uh, struck out 5.7 per nine so far, but he doesn't walk anybody anyway. So he's kind of a, uh, pauper's version of Kyle Hendricks. Um, and the other one is Eddie Butler, and Eddie Butler hasn't allowed anything. I think he's only allowed one earned run so far. Um, 
but you know, oh, sorry, four and runs. He's got a, a 1.46 ERA. But the problem with Butler that I see is he's only striking out four per nine. Now, I haven't seen him pitch firsthand yet. I'm hoping to get a chance to go over to Iowa pretty soon here with you, maybe actually, and uh, and see Eddie Butler pitch. So um, that's a guy that I could really see stepping up. But um, it's hard for me to suggest that he's the guy when essentially he's just allowing a ton of contact and they're finding gloves. So. I'll try and get a firsthand look at him at some point and then bring back some information for the podcast. But um, I guess keep an eye on Eddie Butler and Alec Mills for later in the season. Yeah, those are the two that come to mind for me too, but I've had the same reservations about them as I'm I'm more reluctant to look at their their ERA and, and more of their results when I see that uh, you know, the, the strikeout totals are so low. Um, but, I mean, if there's any one team in Major League Baseball where you can get away with a low strikeout total, it's this Cubs team. It's just hard to see them, you know, leapfrogging John Lackey in the trust of Joe Madden um, at any point this year. So I think we can we can put down a, a stamp with a, a pretty solid no on barring some sort of disaster with Lackey's arm that, that anybody in-house is going to take him over in that spot. Yeah, just real quick. Do you see Butler being uh, or actually either of these guys, do you see either of them being long term pieces for the rotation? Because you've got a ton of turnover next year. Lackey, Arietta likely gone. Um, you know, Brett Anderson, very possibly gone. Um, right. So do you see either of these guys being long term pieces? Um, I think it's very possible. Uh, I think that's what they were required to be. Um, but and I'll tell a little story to, to emphasize why uh, just because they were acquired to be long-term pieces doesn't mean they will. Uh, Adam Warren was required uh, was acquired to be a long-term uh, rotation piece, and uh, <laughs> half a season of Adam Warren and the Cubs decided we'll throw him in on the Chapman trade. Um, so they may see something this year with these guys that they decide um, they are not the players that are taking over for John Lackey and Jake Arrieta, and those are big shoes to fill anyway. So. Um, that's you know, not to say that, you know, anyone thinks that the, that they could just step right in next year and, and fill those shoes. Can you but, refresh my memory who the other piece was in the uh, Chapman trade? I've been gone a little while. I'm not I'm having, having trouble remembering what the Glaber Glaber Torres. <laughs> that guy? I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to show you my new and improved chill side. Oh, you've been to Montana with Joel. <laughs> That's where you've been all these weeks. Ah, I spent some time in Europe. You know, they have a, a, a different sort of culture there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am aware. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, I'm not sure where we're going with that. But um, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying, and this maybe transitions into that question that you uh, got from a, a listener, is uh, if they are going to acquire anybody. Do you want to read that question? Yeah, it's a two-parter, and it's from Mick Kelleher's fifth biggest fan, which I have no idea what that even means. But, uh, you know, our listener base is kind of, yeah, probably doesn't have any hair either. Um, (laughs) Our our listener base is an eclectic group. Uh, The first part of it is uh, very deep, very deep. How worried are you about the starting rotation? So I'll just toss that out there to you. How worried are you Uh, about the starting rotation? uh, On a scale of one to ten, two thumbs up. Okay, moving on. Uh, this is question B after question one. So uh, I think you were probably right about your assertion. Um, it talks a lot about marijuana for a while. And then it gets into the question, which is, uh, will the Cubs trade for a starter? And if they do, who will they trade and who for? So 
What are your thoughts on that? I've got a couple of a couple of tidbits. Um, I think they will trade for a starter uh, at some point. I don't know if it'll be midseason. I would lean towards saying uh, it'll be in uh, December um, or January next year uh, once they see the, uh, the how the free agent market shakes out. I'm starting to lean towards thinking that maybe they won't let Jake Arietta walk away. I know it's not really their MO to pay um, a high price for pitching, um, but especially at, at the age, you know, Jake will be 32 next year. So uh, I, I've been leaning hard on the fact that the, the Cubs will let him go, but I'm starting to lean the other way a little bit. If he has a really good year and, uh, and it's not just, oh, he's making people swing again. If it's really a, you know, if that velocity is down to 92 to 94, but he's commanding those pitches with his stuff and, and getting by and doing really well by doing that, I think you you lose a little bit of the risk where, you know, you, you feel a lot better about Jake Carrietta going 92 to 94 with the fastball and and having a good year than you do about 95 to 97 and wild and all over the place. Mm. So there's a lot that we need to see uh, whether this plays out or not in my idea, whether they, whether they do actually attempt to resign him. But um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you see any kind of uh, in season trades that, that you think they could make? I think it all depends on John Lackey. If Lackey is, what he is right now or a little bit worse then I definitely think they'll go try and bolster the rotation. Um, especially as it becomes apparent that this team runs away with the division, which I certainly think they will. Um, but I, I think that they will. Uh, I don't think that they'll trade Eloy Jimenez. Um, I do think that, that Jamer Candelario is a ticking clock, which, which saddens me quite a bit because I think he's really coming into his own. It's a guy that I really like. I talked to him twice last year and uh, very uh, just candid. And uh, he's the type of guy that really just seems to put his head down and work. And at one time, the scouting reports at third base were that he wasn't going to be able to play third base long-term. I don't think that's accurate at all. I think he's an average third baseman. And uh, I think he works very hard. He's a really humble uh, guy from what I have seen. So I'd like to see Jamer Candelario stay in the organization. Ian Happ is the one that they, I think, you know, should trade. And I hope he keeps hitting. He's been a little bit cooler of late. But um, I had an idea brought up to me by Matthew Trueblood, my friend Matthew Trueblood. And he said he sent me a picture of Johnny Cueto in all of his uh, dreadlocked glory and said, hey, here's the face of the guy who's going to be a Cub by the end of the year. So that's an interesting interesting thought because he's, he's likely going to opt out. I believe he's got an opt out in his deal. Right. Um, so he's a, he's a rental, and um, the Giants aren't looking great at the moment. So uh, Madison Bumgarner's out for probably at least two months. Yeah, yeah. And the Cubs brass is uh, deeply in love with Johnny Cueto, probably because the Cubs have never been able to hit him. So um, I, I can see... <laughs> I can see Johnny Cueto coming to the Cubs and I can see Ian Happ being the centerpiece of it. My fear is that Happ and Candelario would have to go if it doesn't include Jimenez. And I would really bemoan seeing Jimenez uh, go in another rental deal. That would just crush my soul. Um, So Happ and Candelario, I have a feeling will be packaged together for a guy like Cueto. Um, 
you know, again, if we're going to trade two, if the Cubs are going to trade two fairly premium prospects, I would much prefer to see a controlled starter, controllable starter. But, right. um, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be the way that they're going. So, yes, I do think we will see a trade this year. And and say that I'm on kind of the opposite end. I would rather save those uh, prospects and take my chances with uh, basically Hendricks, Lester, Arietta question mark in the postseason than trade um, Hap and um, Candelario for a guy like uh, Johnny Cueto or, or anybody else who is a rental. Oh, don't hear don't hear me wrong. I don't want to see that kind of a trade at all. Right. Not at all. Yeah. I just think we will. I don't want to see a rental trade. I hate rental trades. So yeah, and it's not just about the fact that it's a rental. It, it also factors in what I said earlier. I I think um, with what you have right now with John Lackey, if this is who he is, uh, this guy whose slider doesn't bite anymore, whose velocity is down a little bit, who's a mid fours ERA kind of innings eating guy, uh, that's fine for me with the number four starter in the postseason because I think you know Madden will throw out. Um, eight maybe nine pitchers on the postseason roster and um, you know he'll have Mike Montgomery ready to come in at the drop of a hat and whoever else maybe Brett Anderson in relief for a few innings so well uh, so but but are are you even saying you you wouldn't want to see a trade with say centered around half even if it was for a controllable starter uh, that changes it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fine if it's centered around yeah. Hap and and Candelario for a controllable rent. starter. Okay. That's why I was saying if you're talking about a rental, I would rather hold off and wait until uh, the off season and get a guy who at least give me a full year of control. I mean, if you're trading for two months of Johnny Cueto, that to me, um, when he's just bumping Lackey out and and becoming your number four starter, that's not value. That that doesn't move the needle enough for me on winning a world series because we saw them win a world series last year with essentially nothing from lackey um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so do you have any more on this or or do you want to move on to talking about uh the cubs new power hitting outfielder that they acquired (laughs) albert almora (laughs) no it's I, i i for the life of me i'd never i hadn't seen this guy in their lineup last year i hadn't noticed him at least um, this guy, Jason Hayward, he's hitting home runs like crazy. Have they had him for a while? I don't know. He's a handsome son of a gun, though. I'm enjoying watching him play. He's got a lovely beard. <laughs> what, beard? Are you sure that's what you're looking at? <laughs> so, Jason Hayward, uh, if you look at StatCast uh, on exit velocity only, is hitting the ball on average harder than anybody else in the Cubs lineup right now. Can you believe that? Real? Yeah, I do, because it's passing the eye test. I mean, the home runs that he's hit have been shots. Uh, he has had other very solid contact. I saw that he's, I think, 16th or 7th, maybe 17th best in all of baseball. Ahead of guys like Mike Trout. So, you know, um, if you had told me on, say, March 25th, that on April 25th, Jason Hayward would be 17th in all of baseball in exit velocity i might have taken off all my clothes and done a dance on my roof so well i'm um, not going to go back in time and tell you that then (laughs) don't lie um so i I think it's tremendously a tremendously good sign and frankly i don't think it's a fluke i mean he looks like the guy that was uh the jason hayward of the 2015 st louis cardinals in the playoffs that the cubs couldn't get out so um it's it's his mechanics look better. He's quicker to the ball. His swing is shorter. He stopped locking up his wrists. 
that's another thing Trueblood has been pointing out is, is he's locking up his wrists. So everything about it just looks more natural and athletic. And I, I, I feel like that's the guy that, you know, had a, a 118 OPS plus coming into, you know, 2016. And um, frankly, his, his season numbers so far, it's too early to look at numbers, but his season numbers so far almost identically mirror his 2015 with the Cardinals. So uh, you know what? Jason Hayward becomes an incredibly valuable asset if he's going to do what he's done so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is you – know, let, let's not diminish what he could be. If he's a you know 290 batting average, 350 on base, 440 slugging guy who hits you 15 home runs, with his defense, he's seven-plus wins in more. Something that you're talking about, you know – you know, it, it just by the measure of, of wins above replacement, probably your second best player on the team. So that's uh, that's something. Well, it's not nothing. I mean, I think it. I don't know. I think that stat line probably with where he's at in his career is probably a five win player, and that's that doesn't. I mean, you know, it's an all star, so um, he he would earn his contract there. You know, I think that this is setting up to be, and I loved the contract that they that they did with Jason Hayward. I loved the two opt outs, and I'm I'm definitely on an island with this, but. Um, it's going to set up at the end of his third year. Say he continues to do this the rest of this year and continues to do it next year as well. It's going to set up for one of the most interesting opt-out scenarios that I've ever seen, probably the most interesting. And it's something to monitor for people because, you know, he's a year and a half from being able to opt out of this deal. And um, frankly, it would time out very well for the Cubs if he did. Um, if he played about the way he is and then opted out and they didn't have to pay him anymore and they could go spend a bunch of money in the 2018-2019 free agent class, that's the ideal scenario for the Cubs and it always has been and that's why they included the opt-out. Um, but it's going to be really, really fun to see if he actually does do that. All right, we're going to split the difference in this because in 2015, uh, Hayward hit 293, 559 on base, 439 home runs he was a six win player yeah so, i'm just factoring a little bit of regression as in his defense is why i said that yeah. i don't necessarily know that it's there i just figured at 20 27 or whatever 28 he won't uh, right he won't maybe be as good as he was when he was 25 somewhere around five at the low end to six or seven at the high end somewhere in there mm-hmm. um but i don't know it, it's hard to it's hard to get fully on board I mean, it looks great. And the home run yesterday, I don't know if you saw the location on that pitch. It was basically outside corner and a fastball. And he hit it essentially to right center. I mean, he just got around on it faster than I've seen him do with any pitch since he signed with the Cubs. So it looks great, but it's hard to buy in completely yet. So I don't know. It I guess it's just a sample size issue for me where I need to see it more before I really buy it. I agree. I mean, you feel a little bit like a scorned lover, right? I, mean, I think we saw four, three enough last year that um, we're hesitant to trust Hayward's bat right now. But what I like is that it's not just the results that we're able to see. It's uh, everything from the start to the fault, to the, to the, the bat in the zone, to the follow through, to the contact, you know, and then the result that's all there. So um. Yeah, I'm buying. I'm buying it. I, I think that he's there. I think that he's back. Uh, just one comment on his warp, by the way, just to go back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2014, in his last year with Atlanta, he slugged 384, which is yeah. miserable. He had a he had a 113 ISO, which is just awful for an outfielder. His warp 6.2. 
<laughs> he had, according to baseball prospectus, his fielding runs above average was 27.7. That has to be one of the greatest in history from an outfielder, if not the, if not the it, 6.2 warp for a guy that, that slugged 384. His OPS was like 720 and he had a 6.2 warp. That is unbelievable. Sorry for the side note there, but I found that amazing. No, I mean, that, that just explains this guy's value to the team. I think there are so many fans who look at the stat line and say, you know, the traditional stat line, and, and they'll say this guy's a bum because look at, his, look at his line. But, you know, who else could be the worst hitter in Major League Baseball and still put up almost two wins? <laughs> I mean, that's what he did last year. He was Yeah, well. I mean, that, that's, hard to, that's hard to imagine as an outfielder, especially a corner outfielder. Two wins according to what? BP's got got his warp at zero, zero, zero. From last year? Well, yeah. uh, fan, uh, fan graphs had him at like 1.7, I think. That's very generous because there's no way that guy was above average player last year. Um, you know, here's a, here's a question for you uh, on him. And this, you know, I, I, I sort of offhandedly discounted his defense a little bit this year as he ages, but I didn't even know this when I said that. 2014, his fielding runs above average is 27.7. 2015 it was 18 so uh, a precipitous drop but still a phenomenal season 2016 his fielding runs above average 2.6 i think we're going down a road where i'm going to say something about baseball prospectus stats on a baseball prospectus podcast that uh, i probably shouldn't oh boy because I think anybody with eyes knows that he was not slightly above average uh, on defense last year. Mm, yeah, I, I agree with that. That was pretty strange. I, I just saw that and thought, wow, to give that some perspective through 18 games this year. So, you know, we're talking a ninth of a season. He's already got 2.1 uh, fielding runs above average. So that so, tracks more with that 18 number. Yeah. I mean, that's to say that he had, some sort of outlier dip in 2016 on defense is absurd. And and that's a lot of where you're uh, the fact that Fangraphs has him a, you know, 1.7 or 1.8 war um, and baseball prospectus had him at essentially zero. I think that's where, mm-hmm. where that comes from is they're, they're counting him as the worst hitter in the world and essentially a slightly above average fielder. Yeah. I can see why he'd be a, a zero warp player, but um I guess I should just clarify this uh, as saying this isn't um, this isn't just BP with their with the defensive metrics, but defensive metrics on a year to year basis are extremely unreliable at this point, in my opinion. Uh, if you look at like the overall, like for a player's like whole career, you can get a better idea. But um, I, I just don't buy the metrics as being accurate on a year to year basis. You just see too many outliers like that where you see you know okay so everybody knows jason hayward was an elite defensive player in the outfield last year but the defensive metrics don't say it but that doesn't mean that i buy what the defense defensive metrics say uh I, I think i tend to agree with that overall i would be very very interested to actually do a deep dive research on that to see if maybe maybe it did translate into the field what he was going through at the plate translated into the field more than we realized. I, 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 I would guess that the answer is no, but now I'm kind of, kind of curious. So one last thing on Hayward before we move on last year, I think everyone knows that he basically didn't hit the ball hard all year. There, there were only a handful of times that he hit the ball hard and he's hitting the ball hard this year. 
last year his BABIP was 266, which with for a guy that is left-handed, athletic, and fast, that is an unfathomably low BABIP. And you know what? I think he deserved it because it, you know, when you're trickling the ball to the second baseman, I'm channeling my inner Joel here. When you're trickling the ball to the second baseman, you're going to have a low BABIP. But this year, it has rebounded into a more average range of 315, which tracks with his you know, left-handedness, his athleticism, and his exit velocity. So um, that's one of the reasons that I, I'm buying it is, is I'm liking the mechanics at least somewhat. And he's hitting the ball hard enough. His Babbitt's going to rise back up in his stats with it. So uh, I'm encouraged. I couldn't be any more encouraged. I'm, I'm, I'm actually blown away. And I think it's credit to, to, to Hayward for all the work that he put in in this offseason. Here's a good trivia question for you. According to hard hit percentage at Fangraphs, uh, what do you think the difference in percentages is between 2016 to 2017 for hard hit percentage? Uh, help me out. What was it in 2016? In 2016, it was 26.4%. So just give me the gap. How much more or less do you think it is? Oh, man. I, uh, I, I First of all, I'm not buying that 26%. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not buying that 26% because that, that's, a, that's a reasonable number. It's not low. At, it's kind of, I would say it's slightly above average. So I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that from Fangraphs. So um, I guess we're going to rip every site tonight. Um, I, I wouldn't think it was much higher than that. I, I would say maybe in the 27 range for this year, but I'm just not buying that it was anywhere near 26% last year. I mean, he wasn't hitting out of, he wasn't having, he, he didn't have a bat where he hit the ball hard every, every game last year. Right. Yeah. It's actually 26.3% this year. So it's yeah, uh, zero, no way zero point, a 0.1% drop in hard hit percentage where the difference is, is between soft and medium contact uh, 27% soft contact last year, 20 or, and it's 19.3, which is uh, not a career low, but it's in, in his lowest seasons uh, for soft percentage. That's very low. That's, that's really low. That's a good number. Yeah, and his his medium contact is fifty four point four, which would represent a career high for him. So yeah, that's a, that's a high like, number. If you group medium percentage and, and hard hit contact percentage together, um, I, I think you're saying he's he's definitely hitting the ball average to above average much more. You know, essentially eighty percent of the time. Well, I think that's key. I think that speaks to the mechanics of the swing because your mechanics have to be decent to make medium medium quality contact and. Um, if you're not making soft contact and he's, you know, he struck out 11 times, which is a little bit higher than you want to see, but it's not egregious by any means. Um, if, you, if you're not making soft contact, you're making medium and hard contact, then that means that your mechanics are doing something right. So I just look at the basis of what he's doing. I like his feet, I like his backside a lot better. And um, he's getting to the ball so much quicker. It's just like night and day with how quickly he's getting to the ball and he's doing it without cutting himself off. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. You heard it here, folks. Isaac likes his backside a lot better this year. Well, there's not no surprise there. Duh. Uh, we've got uh, for just to to run down the actual stats. I'm looking at his Fangraphs page. Fifteen point one percent K percentage, which is good. It's um, basically in line with with what his career, what his last three years is. Five point five percent on the on the walk percentage, but I think that's probably. And I saw Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation uh, comment on this, and, and I agree with his theory that 
the book on Jason Hayward was pound the zone because he can't hit. So he's seeing a lot of strikes early on. And of course he's turning on them and, and, and hitting them hard. So I think that that's a, a factor of just, he's not going to walk a lot because they're throwing in the zone on him right now. When they start to adjust to Jason Hayward, they'll start throwing more pitches outside the zone. And that's where his, you know, career 10.5% walk percentage and, and good eye at the plate will hopefully come into play and he won't start chasing. Yeah. And his ISO, you know, this year is 162, which is pretty healthy. Uh, it's not super slugger, but it's, it's healthy. Last year it was 094, which is like, you know, Mike Fontenot or something, but <laughs> um, don't, don't, don't disparage Mike Fontenot. I'm sure he was better than that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 162 is above his career ISO number by, by 9,000. So I, I think you take that or you definitely take that. There's no question you do. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I feel good. I feel good too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll buy it. Um, Mike Fontenot career ISO 137. So there that's, you have it. It's not that bad. That's that's better than I thought it would have for, been. For a guy who's five foot two, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh man. You know, Mike Fontenot is that dude had sneaky power. Ne- sneaky power. He is the reincarnate Mickey Morandini, I think. So Oh, the dandy little glove man. Yes, the dandy little glove man. <laughs> oh my god, here's a stat for you. According to Fangrass. In 2008, Mike Fontenot had 284 plate appearances for the Cubs. He had nine home runs and had a 3.1 WAR. Yeah, they were he and he and Terrio for that year. They were good together, and you know people people bought it in. They liked that up the middle, the riot and Fontenot, and it was kind of fun. And and uh, you know that lasted about six minutes, and then we realized no, no, this is not fun. <laughs> this is this is just the best of what we've had in a while. Oh man! But he won a World Series with the Giants, I think, in twenty ten. Both of them did, didn't they? I don't know about Terrio. I think didn't Terrio win with the Cardinals? I think he won with the Cardinals and with the Giants. Oh, that makes my heart hurt. It really does. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we're gonna have to look that up before we move on. Let's see who Ryan Terrio <laughs> was with. I thought he was with maybe maybe Terry was with the Giants after in in one of those odd years instead of even. We can only hope. I'm sure, he's a great nope, guy. Terry Terry was on the two, 2012 Giants. He was on the 2011 Cardinals. So he won. He won it with both. rings. <laughs> with back to back years, and then was sent off into retirement. Yeah, you know, oh sne- boy, sneaky, va- sneaky value. You, you know, he's maybe he's, maybe we need to rethink Ryan Terry's career. He was worth a cumulative zero, negative 0.1 war in those two seasons for the Cardinals and Giants. <laughs> Sneaky value. Grit. Will to win. <laughs> yeah. TWTW, <laughs> baby. Uh, did, you, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, in, in, our, in my haste to get uh, a third person on the show to talk to us because Carlos couldn't be bothered, um, I tried to get uh, my editor at FanRag Sports, Alex, who Alex Smolikoff, who is a uh, Red Sox guy, uh, because the Cubs are going to be heading out to Boston to play the Red Sox this week. But unfortunately, Alex was very busy, and it was the very last minute on my part, so he wasn't able to join us. But uh, do you have anything uh, interesting to say about Cubs Red Sox? Uh, well, I you know I think that's what I picked for the World Series. Um, I'm pretty Ooh, certain World that was World Series my, preview. World Series preview. Um, so, 
I guess just talking about today's game, which I think you said we would talk extensively about, even though there was exactly two hits on the Cubs side and one unearned run, you know, they explode yesterday. Their offense looked extremely good, which is, I think, more indicative of who they are than what today was. Garrett Cole was really good. So, um, but the thing that's interesting about this Cubs team is it doesn't really feel like they found their groove. I think the starting pitching is having some natural regression from last year, which we all expected. And um, I'm still very encouraged because the Cubs have lost one series this year. They got swept by the Pirates in that awful series. Other than that, they've won every series. They have overcome deficits in many, many games. Their bullpen has started to look really good. I don't have much doubt that the starting rotation will round into form and still be uh, pretty pretty way above average. Um, So I'm seeing things out of this team that make me think they could be extremely, extremely good, Uh, maybe even better than we thought that they would be. So um, you just reminded me. What's that? What does that remind you of? You reminded me of of the battle royale we were going to have on the podcast. Two men come in, one man leaves, one man will be unmasked and murdered in the ring. Uh, the uh, in the Cubs and uh, Pirates game tonight, uh, Garrett Cole and Kyle Hendricks both dealing, uh, pitching very well. Cole oh. was just murdering the Cubs lineup. Uh, 78 pitches through seven innings, I believe. Um, one unearned run allowed, I want to say, in the very first or second inning. And and the Cubs are leading one nothing. The Pirates end up with a runner at third in the bottom of the seventh and two outs. Clint Hurdle pinch hits for Garrett Cole to try and get that run home. Of course, he doesn't, and the Pirates lose one nothing. So, really, Garrett leaving Garrett Cole in, um, we never would have known what would have happened. It's possible Garrett Cole gets a single and knocks that run in, and we just don't know. But the Cubs weren't didn't give up any other you know didn't score any other runs the rest of the game. So, um, it's kind of a moot point. But um, I, I made a tweet, a a bad tweet as it is. Um, that uh, because Clint Hurdle made the move to pull Garrett Cole to try and get that run in, even though he was dealing and could have gone the full nine innings, um, I said that they need to bring the DH to the NL. Uh, you made a, a snarky-looking uh, emoji at me. Uh, so uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts. Why? What, what did you think of that situation? Um. You know, I was I was playing softball during that move, but just looking at it back at it, did you say there was a runner on when they pulled him out? Yeah, runner on third, the tying run on third with two outs. Oh, absolutely. You take him out. There's no question you take him out there. The, the, <laughs> Garrett Cole does you right. incrementally how much better he is than the relievers that they have is is very, very minimal, right. especially when you can go, you know, reliever to reliever uh, where you want in the eighth and ninth. You'd already gotten seven innings out of him of two hit ball. That That's an easy pull to me. I, I can't think of any justification to take him and, out. So. And, and that, that, that should be clear. I agree on all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. I know my thought, about the DH. My, yeah. my thought was, uh, isn't this a, the obvious example of why, you know, versus the American League, you know, you can leave that starter in for all nine innings without worrying about it. It kind of sucks. I mean, no, it, no, it no. really what, sucks. What sucks is the opposite. What sucks is not having to make the decision. See, Clint Hurdle had to go out there and he had to actually think about this. He had to think, do Wouldn't I you rather have your better team? players on the field, though? No, no, I no. I would rather no. see. I would rather see the strategy of the game kept Wrong. intact rather than well, wrong well i mean on one hand you right now you're making an you're making an argument that the better players would be on tech you could actually argue that the giants bullpen would be more effective at that stage of the game than garrett cole would be so um fake news you know i i don't think that 
I think you lose so much strategy out of the game if you take the if if you put the DH in. I I don't think the games are even comparable. And I'll tell you this: if you manage both, if you manage with the DH and without, I don't even know why the American League has managers. It barely matters. All you do is you just look out there and wait until your pitcher gets tired and pull them out. Run your best lineup out there every day, and that's that. That to me is boring. I love the chess match of baseball, and the day that they take the DH out of the uh, of the of the National League will be a very sad day for the depth of the game of baseball. I think you lose a ton of depth when you do that. I I will agree that I like the National League style better on the whole. Wait, what? Um, what you're, you're I, talking I, about Trump fake news over here, and then all of a sudden you're agreeing? <laughs> what is this? Just like Donald Trump, I am being completely unpredictable and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got we got Sean Spicer over here. <laughs> Fake news. Um, I I do like the National League game better. What I think is, uh, we're the, this is the obvious scenario that really sucks. I mean, it, it doesn't happen all that often where you see a, a pitcher dominating in a one or nothing game and have to be pulled in the sixth or seventh inning. It doesn't happen that frequently. Um, but I do hate when it happens. And I also hate that the the two leagues are. Uh, I mean, the National League is essentially at a disadvantage. So. Uh, I agree there. I, sure. I, I, I want, despise that they're different. Yeah, I, want I know uniform that eventually rules. it's going to go that way. But, um, d- uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, as much as I hate that they're different, I'm not willing to sacrifice the DH to make or sacrifice not having it to make them even. So, yeah, we can agree to disagree on that. That's well, I don't know if you agree or disagree now because you just told me you like <laughs> National League better. See, you know what? I, I think I win this debate. I and just like just like the election, it doesn't matter whether you won or lost the debate. Or <laughs> we whether all you, lost. Whether you have the correct opinion or the wrong opinion, or whether you're giving facts or fake news, all that matters <laughs> is I win, baby. <laughs> okay, just win, baby. All right. Well, that's all I have. Uh, I guess follow us on Twitter if you like uh, at BP Wrigleycast. You can send us emails at BP Wrigleycast at baseballperspectus.com. Uh, that's Isaac Bennett. I am Ryan Davis. You can find his work at Wrigleyville. I'm at Fanrag Sports in 2080 Baseball. That is all I have for tonight. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Soon.